0: Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. This is an experiment. What do billionaires, cultural icons, and world-class athletes have in common? I'm about to find out. I'm John Aguilar, serial entrepreneur, former decathlete, and creator and host of the CNN Philippines business reality show, The Final Pitch. Each week, I try to unlock the secrets of Asia's world-class performers to come up with hacks that I can apply in my own life. My goal is to have you apply them in yours. This is the podcast designed to change your life. This is Methods to Greatness. Methods to Greatness is powered by Converge. Experience better. If you'd like to work with Converge, check them out at gofiber.ph or connect with them through their social media channels. Methods to Greatness is also powered by Perfect Health Philippines, a leading provider of innovative and premium massage and healthcare products to customers across Southeast Asia. This partnership is all about improving people's lives, health, and well-being. Visit perfecthealthph.com to know more. Greetings to our listeners from the Philippines, Asia, and beyond. Our next guest is an Olympian who has grown to become a very important figure in the Asian sports scene. This professional pole vaulter has held and broken numerous times the Philippine national record in pole vaulting since 2016. He later broke the Asian Athletics Championship record with a leap of 5.71 meters in 2019 on its 23rd biennial meet at Doha, Qatar, which earned him the coveted gold medal finish. In that same year, he continued to stun the world after he cleared 5.81 meters in an outdoor pole vaulting tournament in Italy, which paved the way for him to become the first Filipino athlete to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics. Weeks before the Tokyo Games, he cleared 5.87 meters in a tournament in Poland and smashed his own national record, eclipsing the 5.85 meter record he had earlier set in Germany. The son of a former national pole vaulter, our guest also holds the distinction as the first Filipino vaulter to compete in the Olympics since Edward Lasquete, who represented the Philippines in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. At 26 years young, this outstanding athlete is definitely on his way to becoming one of the country's sports legends. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on Methods to Greatness, EJ Obiena. Hi, EJ. Hi,
1: sir. Thank you very much for this awesome awesome intro
0: you know what it's funny that you call me sir because um it only shows my age this is an interview that i've been uh waiting to do for for so long because like you and i guess i can count in, in my two hands the number of pole vaulters that i personally know so um i used to be a pole vaulter and um i am very happy that someone like you EJ has risen to prominence in such an obscure event in track and field. You are the best right now in Asia, one of the best in the world. And um, EJ, I know that I will geek out tonight on this is probably the most thrilled I've ever been to interview someone because of the fact that um, you, know, you are doing something that I've always wanted to do. And congratulations for all of the success and congratulations for all the success you've had through the years.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, I mean, as you said, you know, there's not a lot of full bolters out there in the Philippines. And hopefully we, we get to change that a little bit.
0: Okay, EJ, your father, Emerson Obiena, uh, I kind of used to train with him back in the 90s. He was the, the men's um, champion and I was the junior's champion. And um, I remember those days very vividly. Uh, very very early days of, of pole vaulting in the Philippines. Can you give me, I guess, any recollections that you have from when you started? Because I I think when you started, I was already out of the sport. I'd like to find out very early days how your father Emerson introduced you to pole vaulting.
1: I just remember I was running, and my own recollection. The first thing I remember is this, I was not vaulting with the actual pole, I was vaulting, you know, the, the thing you use to raise the bar, those alu- aluminum thing. And uh, that's the thing that I use because they're short enough for me and, you know, they're light because they're aluminum. And we trained in Giselle Memorial Coliseum and the pole vault pit was on the starting line of the hundred meter. It's not, it's not yet on the D section. It was on the hundred meter and it was the old track. And that's my earliest memory when maybe I was like, six years old or something and yeah i was trying to clear like those it wasn't even a bar it was just like a a pit or a foam then my dad just put something over the you know the, the the literal mattress where we land and yeah that was how it was it was just fun games and it was my ticket for a free meal you know like in the fast food chain across the street in harrison plaza and uh, yeah, that was my my early early memories of track and field, or specifically pole vaulting. Was you know it was my way to get a happy meal or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, brings back memories because same thing when I was training with the national team. After our training, we would go to the to the same um, fast food place. It was a McDonald's. Exactly. Oh so, yeah, ah. and, and we breakfast there. So. It just amazes me how, uh, you know, years later, um, you know, you, you were you were actually doing the same thing. But as a six-year-old, that's amazing. I mean, trying to um, do something that your father has been doing all his life. Can you tell me what it was like starting out with uh, someone like your father who is, I guess, in the top two of, of the Philippines um, in terms of vaulting? Uh, he had a very prolific career as a pole vaulter. Um, what was it like? him introducing you to the sport and you eventually, I guess, getting the hang of pole vaulting. What, what was it like for you?
1: Uh, he definitely did a lot of the dirty work for me. You know, he did all the trial and error knowing what is better to do and what's not to do. So I think he, he really put me in a, in a good position to start, you know, as best that he could provide as best as what Philippines had, as you said, you know, he was the top two in the Philippines. And of course that is, all well and good. But then you, when you put into consideration that I was also his son and training with your parents are never easy. Uh, all of those tandem of father and son or mother and daughter or mix of those will tell you, it's not an easy thing to train with your dad. And there's a difference between a coach and a father. And yeah, those things we we don't always get along, but you know I do appreciate everything that he has done for me and you know that time when I was starting I think it was a when I was young and I was maybe like until maybe 10 or 12, everything was just fun. It was just fun, fun 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 fun. Until I had my own um reason why I I want to do pole vaulting. You know, as a kid I didn't really have a reason other than oh it's just fun. Then 12, you know, you get into high school you start competing in in Manila meat district and and combat N C R meat and then Pabanza. these meets you want to win these meets are gonna get you scholarship and then things started to be a little bit more competitive and you know we we get some nerves and then being a father as well he has his uh, his ways and being a coach he has his his ways and sometimes as a family you know or when the, your coach gets angry at you in the track it's done in the track when you train with your dad, he's pissed at you the whole freaking day until you go <laughs> into lunch, until you go in dinner, until the next morning, it's going to be there. And it's going to be the talk at the house. It's going to be where you talk in the, the dinner table. And yeah, those things makes it a little bit difficult for me as a young guy back then who didn't understand what my dad was doing for me. But now that I have, I'm here where I'm at, I, I, I could see it, you know, he did a lot for me and it was definitely not, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be with my current coach without him, you know, and pole vaulting now in Philippines wouldn't be where it is without my dad. That is proud of that, proud to
0: say that. Pole vaulting, well, at least for me, uh, was a way to be able to excel at something that not a lot of people really knew how to do. Um, as opposed to let's say something as common as let's say the 100 meters right the 100 meters everyone wants to be the fastest man right True. all you need are your track spikes and if you're fast you know you get to from zero to 100 meters in as fast as you can anyone can do it everyone wants to be that but for pole vaulting it's different it's something that not everyone can even attempt to do just because of all the preparation that has to go into it now as someone as a kid was just playing. And as you turn 12, you realize that, hey, you know, this, this is something that I would maybe like to take seriously, because there are a lot more things at stake, rather than just that happy meal uh, down the road. Uh, What was the turning point for you just thinking that, okay, now I am no longer maybe a kid, maybe this is no longer just a game, then maybe this is something that I can consider as technically the media sport that i will take seriously
1: i think there wasn't like a single day or a single month even a year it was a slow progress of realizing that they that what i'm doing is something serious and something that i could be good at um so when i got into high school i wanted to win palarong pambansa but at that, that that time what does it matter it's a competition it's not you know it's fun but of course i'm competitive and i learned that at a very young age i wanted to win that and then last two years of my high school i wanted to get into a good school and we're we're not in a position to send me to wherever i would want to be going and the best schools they cost and luckily athletics has suitable ap and ncaa so if i'm one of the best who i've ever done pole vaulting at that time i would be recruited so that's where I start to see, hey, this is my ticket to a better future. This is something that would land me to a, the big four, like Ateneo and UST and you know UP. So I focus a little bit more on training, and then when I reach uh, university, you're hired, hired, or you're you're part of the student athletes program where you need to study and you need to perform and you know, my coach always say, "Yeah, you're you're a student first, but you're an athlete after." But then, at the same time, you need to win a medal anyway. That's where your scholarship is depending on. So, you need to train a little bit more. And then, of course, you know, uh, growth spurt and everything just kind of hit me late, which was already in college. Really? I was, okay. I entered college maybe I was like five two or five three. I was short. I was really wow. short. Yeah, I was short.
0: So you entered college for five two. Right now, you are. What's your height now? I'm six three. <laughs> that, that <laughs> yeah, I, know.
1: I know it is a growth sport. So I started bolting a little bit better. And then the next thing, you know, I was selected to the Asian university games. I lost of course, but then, you know, I said, Hey, I can do better than this. I can, I can keep up with these guys within the region. And then I jumped the, you know, five, five meters along the way. Then it opened a lot of different doors and then it just started to become like, hey, you know, I'm representing now a nation in competitions. And it would be a shame for me to just go out there and and lose. And that's just gave me a little bit of different, um, um, I don't even know, a little bit of a sting when you lose. You're not just losing as EJ or Vienna, you're losing as a Filipino. That kind of suck. I was like, hey, wake wake up. I wanna try to keep doing this and then, Yeah, it didn't fully became serious until I got injured, until I literally was in a table, I need to make a decision. Do I want to continue student athlete career, EJ or Vienna, then be done with pole vaulting itself, or do I want to shoot for what I've been shooting for now, which is Olympics and, you know, I had six months and six months really did help me to realize that, Hey, you know, I want pole vaulting. I want to be in the Olympics. I want to try to shoot for that. I want to be able to be an Olympian. If I don't make it, at least I know I tried. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't make sense at that time, but I mean, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, it's amazing where you are now, but I think also, I'd like to get back to, I guess your formative years. You said that uh, you wanted to give it a shot. You wanted to give pole vaulting a shot because you knew that it was your ticket, maybe to a scholarship. So what was that like for you? Maybe early high school when you were a pole vaulter, you were barely five feet tall. So what was that like for you? Uh, Probably in high school, maybe you weren't physically, I would say mature uh, that time. So what was that like for you? Were you successful as a pole vaulter in high school? Or did it take time?
1: It would depend on how you define successful. I think I was successful in getting a scholarship to the school that I would want to. But fun fact, I haven't won palaron pambansa. Really, my best record there was silver. That's it. Wow, that's it. I never won. So you know, as a high schooler, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy good. You probably, you have more accolades in high school than me. You know, you (laughs) even have a record. I didn't have a record in high school, so it was it was a tough it was a tough journey, and I think that just that late growth spur that i had made some you know i need to make that up with attitude and approach to the game and yeah
0: yeah you know what ej you remind me so much of michael jordan i mean him not making it to his high school team but eventually becoming you know the uh, one of if not the best basketball player in the world and you're right you know it, back in high school and i think i, I want to talk about this also is that when i was in high school um, I think we were the other way around. I, I was a little bit taller than most um, track and field athletes. When I was a sophomore, that's when I first held the pole for the first time. And when, when I was a junior, that's when I broke the, the record in, sorry, that was when I broke the record in the UAP for for, for juniors in the pole vault. And then I did also win So it's, it's actually mind boggling to me that I'm talking to you now, you've never won gold in either, But here you are now, you are the best pole vaulter ever in Asia. And uh, it just goes to show, uh, you know, early success or early failures does not necessarily translate to success or failure later on in your athletic career. What, What was it like for you? I mean, I'm sure the pressure was really, I guess, there, you know, being the son of your father, who is one of the best in the Philippines. What was it like being in high school and not even coming close to I guess, the the, lever, the level or the accolades that were expected of you.
1: I think I, I was kind of good distracting myself into that fact that I, you know, that I'm getting beaten by kids who are, whose last name is not, know, you know, I think I just kind of, because I was small and everything, nobody really saw me as the next, the next pole Wolter of the Philippines at that time. Maybe that helped too, but I, I felt that, of course, I've. Always felt like there's a shadow hanging over you. You know, you're you're your father's son. That's that's like that's everybody how how they knew me was yeah. He was the son of Emerson of Vienna. He's the son of yeah. Every time in every province I go competing, it's gonna be that. And it was it was tough. But then I had I really had my eyes set on getting a scholarship in a really good school and. It didn't matter if I'm the son of my dad or, or whatnot. I was just like, I need to be one of the best of my batch to get a good scholarship offer. If not a full ride, I need that. And that's all I can think about at the time. And it didn't bother me as much as I think other people would think it would have. Don't tell, get me wrong. It's not like I didn't realize it. I know, I know what what kind of shadow was hanging over me but at the same time i'm just like well i want to get a better i wasn't planning to be a pro vaulter anyway at that time you know my 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 approach was like yeah i want to get to a good school right and
0: doesn't change the fact so so if i may ask uh, what school did you eventually get into (laughs) Ateneo.
1: Yeah, okay, that's a funny story about that too, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so I, I'd love to know the funny story behind that. So we went to the same school. Uh, I, I've been in, in Ateneo. I, I was uh, in Ateneo since grade school all the way up till till college. So um, prior to your scholarship, so you were not with Ateneo. You got the scholarship to Ateneo. So tell me about that experience for you.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know where, where I was going at first. But then there was a guy who... Who his name is Adel Valdicanas. He was maybe a, a year or two older than me. And he he was the deal and UAAP and he was a defending champion. Then I was coming in, um, you know, the new kid in town, and he's studying so happened to LaSalle. And LaSalle wanted me there as well. But then I'm I'm just like, how is that gonna work? You know, me and Adele at the time, we weren't, we weren't buddies, you know, we were like, we, we get at each other, you know, we, we know we're competitors and we compete. So I was just like, it's going to be UP or at the nail and then something just clicked, and I knew the coach there. And I love the, the, just the aura at the school It's it's different. It just hit me. I was just like, yeah, I want to go here. And you know, the, this, this, the nerves and the stress of getting the small envelope or the big one is. It's different. It's until now. I can remember the the nerves and like waiting for it in the post and like just praying to God that hey, please let me get in so I can finally be an Athenian. And yeah, the dream came true. I got a full ride. Um, I got to the team. I passed the asset exam and you know did the whole ORSIM awesome and the tour of the campus. Yeah, it was it was one magical i would
0: say magical moment okay so you got into ateneo and uh what happened um uh, when you started to compete for ateneo
1: well uh so the first competition i competed for ateneo was university games in bacolod that was the first time i was booed and that was the first time i heard a uh, chance against me i was hearing <laughs> animal asal every time i jumped Every time I was jumping, I'm just like, first time in my life, I just felt so small. And I was like sweating my hands. I'm just like, damn. Oh God. <laughs> and I lost, I lost it. I, I just wasn't able to perform ah, just poorly in lost uh, uni games. So then a few months after it's UWAP. Um, vengeance time man like I was just like, I need to zone in and just kill it. So I jumped i I won the meet at four four thirty and then he passed he went to four thirty five. And then I remember clearly he missed two attempts, and then I passed thirty five just said, I'm going to forty. and then last attempt when he made it. You know, I was just like vindicated, <laughs> vindication. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I remember going to my coach. I was like, coach, I'm sorry. I wasn't able to win two goals, but I U the AP where for Ateneo it was much more important. And I said, I got the record as well. And I said, yeah, I hope it was worth it getting me as your pole vaulter and not the other kids, you know, at my batch. And, and that was a different pride in um, that sense of just victory. It was, it was, it was beautiful.
0: Right. It really truly is a beautiful experience to represent your school. I remember, and and it's funny how many parallelisms I see with how, what happened to me also happened to you because I remember when I represented Ateneo at the Palarong Kambansa representing NCR, I was also booed by the whole stadium when I was, um, actually the minute i the second i picked up my pole there were there were like half the stadium was booing me already so i knew the feeling and true enough my first height which was a really low height i missed just because i didn't check um the stands because i was just out of it just yeah with, intimidated with the whole stadium right and so my coach uh that time told me you know you can do this this is easy for you so I I kind of regrouped immediately after that. And eventually um, I I tried to go for the record. I I didn't get the record that time, but I remember that experience was a learning experience because being thrust in that moment where the whole entire energy of the stadium is just against you and you having to overcome that coupled with everything that you have to automatically um, know how to just, you know, you know, with pole vaulting, it's quite complicated and, um, you know there's so many things that are going on and um, you really need all that focus so you know I I, I it overwhelms you yeah it, it is overwhelming and and I can just imagine all of these emotions also that time I, I my training partner um, um, Robbie Chua, who was representing the he, he was in college I was in high school um there's something about um like us uh, city boys from, from NCR that people really wanted to hate because you know, you're city boys and everyone else is like against you. So um, I remember that the way he coped with it was to actually put a little bit more spunk and a little bit more arrogance into the way he carried himself (laughs) just so that, you know, just to throw the competitors off. And I remember a little bit of that rubbing off on me. So it was kind of our way to, perhaps cope with all the negative energy and just, you know, kind of do, you know, stuff that the others weren't doing. So I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume maybe that was something that you were also doing uh, in in a way when you were competing against all these other guys.
1: I think I didn't have the, like uh, a kind of spunk because like my dad was still, you know, he's he's him and I still kind of am in, under the shadow of him and anything that I do, you know, kind of reflect on him and yeah, it wasn't like that, but I've always just been, you know, very competitive. I just, when I want it, I need to get it. And I'm just at that young age, I learned how to feel overwhelmed and I felt so small that I said, I didn't want to feel that way in any shape or form and I said, Hey, I need to grow, grow the freaking up, you know, just grow up. And I don't want to, I don't want to hear. Okay. I might hear animal Lasal in Udable AP, but I'm still going to win it. And that's going to make them, they're just going to go silent. And yeah, I mean, I didn't have that spunk attitude. Maybe I did, but like, I didn't have that much of a, Different kind of approach, I guess, you know, of coping up to those, those situations.
0: Methods to Greatness is powered by Converge. Experience better. Converge has been an instrumental partner for myself, for our organization, because everything we do right now is digital. Everything involves liaising, coordinating with people, with other companies, and all of this is done online. And our medium being video, is very, very highly data-driven. We need a stable, reliable internet connection to make everything we do work. What Converge has given us was a way to be able to successfully carry out all of the tasks of the team, reach out to our audience, to our market, and also allowed us to be able to create more things with what we do. My team has been a direct beneficiary of this. I think this pandemic has given us a lot of opportunities to pivot, and this is our latest pivot into the future, which really is a digital world. For Methods to Greatness, I'm interviewing world-class performers, icons, CEOs from Asia, from around the world. All of those interviews are done online. They're all done via a video call. It was very critical that we had a reliable internet connection that would enable me to carry on these conversations with these icons from all around the world. That is one of the reasons why we're able to do what we do now. So if you'd like to work with Converge, check them out at gofiber.ph or connect with them through their social media channels. This episode is also brought to you by Perfect Health Philippines. Did you know that massages are considered one of the best ways to recover from exercise and is considered an indispensable part of any fitness training and recovery regimen? Getting a regular massage not only detoxifies your muscles from lactic acid buildup, but also increases muscle performance, blood flow, reduces pain, and induces better sleep. If you don't have access to a masseuse, the next best thing is a massage chair or a massage gun. Perfect Health has a complete lineup of massage chairs with a whole range of features and price points. Their top of the line model Perfection 2 has all the bells and whistles from 3D full body and foot massage functions, voice command, Bluetooth, and zero gravity. Their Perfect Relaxer massage gun is a personal favorite of mine, which I use on my quads every time I come from a long bike ride. Methods to Greatness in partnership with Perfect Health Philippines has come up with a special discount promo that is exclusive our followers and subscribers. To avail of the special promo discount, get in touch with Perfect Health's professional healthcare consultants at service at gmail.com or via hotline 0288316944 and give the promo code MTG. That's the Methods to Greatness promo code MTG and the healthcare consultants will hook you up with the best premium massage chairs, massage guns, and other healthcare products all with a special discount. Um, So you had your growth spurt in college. Uh, What was it like training for the pole vault for those who do not know or are not um, familiar with the sport? So if you could describe to me first, the kind of training that you have to do to even be able to do this very complicated event. So what was it like to train for the pole vault? And what were the skills that you had to, I guess, learn uh, for you to be able to be at least Able to, to do it, not even be good, but to at least be able to do the pole vault event.
1: Because the event of pole vault thing is just so out of place for even track and field, which is like home of, you know, a lot of complicated movements. I think pole vault can be divided into three different parts. Track would be the running part. Strength would be at that takeoff area that, that is strength for me. Then gymnastics after that. So if you divide that, you need to train like a track athlete that you need to be fast and agile and reactive and all of those traits put into the runway. And then the takeoff area, you need to be as strong as, I don't know, Hidalin to not be the one bending and the pole actually the one bending. Then you need to be as graceful as the gymnast to feel the pole and be able to align with it and ride it to maximize that energy vertically. So. How the gymnasts train, we have some, some of that. And then how weight lifter trains, we have gym sessions. Like now I had like two gym sessions this week. Then I had track workouts, which is the running and all of that combined makes pole vaulting one heck of an event that is probably not going to be boring. Like, sorry, sprinters, you know, just running, 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 running. Yeah. So that is how I, I see pole bolting, you know? in in my program here um i train at least like eight eight to ten times a week and that eight to ten times a week are all different sessions they're like i go to the gymnastic area sometimes and then i go to the track and do some long jump because i need to work on my my takeoff or something i have my my gym sessions where i need to get strong and you know be, be powerful enough to do what i need to do and combine that all together in, in my job, in my
0: vaulting. You know, you talking about your training regimen brings me back to the time when I was training as well. I, I used to also sometimes train with your dad. And I remember going to the gymnastics gym where we would do all of these bar exercises, these floor exercises, we would do backhand springs. And, you know, if you think of the things that we were doing that time, we were doing ropes exercises. Really, to be able to do the pole vault, takes a lot of preparation on its own, because I think it is the only event in track and field wherein you cannot just attempt to do it, right? Otherwise you'll get hurt. I mean, you can count the number of times. I mean, if you're not up to it, you don't have the speed, you don't have the strength, that pole is gonna fling you back. Um, (laughs) And and I remember the first time I ever uh, tried to attempt it, uh, this was during, uh, I, I mean, I had competed uh, in, in the sprints, in the in, in the my first paler that my coach told me, why don't you try just doing this thing pole vault? And I remember uh, not having enough momentum and actually fell butt first on the pit. So that was my first experience with the pole vault. But you know, it took about you know a couple of months. It's a good thing that I had I had a training buddy and then a good coach. And the next year I I, I won that that event. But Really, the, the preparation leading to even attempting to pole vault, I can say was one of the most grueling for a young kid um, experiences that I've ever had to do just because of the sheer amount of training, the dedication that you have to put into it. And I remember you, you're, you're right, the, the gym work, the track work, the gymnastics work, they even had us jumping from uh, the, the diving pool. in the oh, yeah, just to get that fear out. <laughs> yeah, just to get the fear of heights um, out of the way. Um, and um, I'd like to now talk about from college. What was um, because you say in college you were you were you were jumping four thirty. So let's give people an idea of how high that actually is. So if you you're you're on a highway, you see those you know the overpass. Usually that's like 4.15, 4.15 meters. So you're essentially jumping. Um, a height that is higher than than an overpass that you would see that would clear uh, that would easily clear the height of a container container truck right oh, yeah. so what was it like scaling those heights slowly up until now I know you're approaching six meters and um that back in the day was like you know almost impossible my my idol that back then Sergey Bubka um was i think the the only one who could who could could even attempt to do something like that but now it's it's already within your reach so it's just phenomenal that you've you've improved so much so what was it like ej from high school and then college the progression in terms of how you were able to slowly inch your way up and progress um to conquer break the break the philippine record and eventually set new records New Asian records. What was that like in terms of the progress and how you actually developed that, that capacity to be able to do that?
1: I think it was it definitely helped, you know, the growth spurt definitely helped. But um, the, the good thing about pole vaulting is there's numbers and you know when you actually improve. And I think in pole vault, it's uh, it's like you're inching your way to that next height. You know, you don't necessarily just get faster. You get faster. You need to put that into povo, and I think that's where my dad did a lot of, you know, as I said, his dirty work. He knew which part of povo thing do I need to focus until I was able to reach five meters, and it was just a certain improvement. It was it was fast for me to go from actually four thirty until like sixty. I remember that four fifty to uh, thirty to sixty was quick. Um, I, think I did that in, in a year's time. But then after that, it was hard from that point, 60 to reach that point where I jumped 490. And from 490, just a different, whole different level to jump five meters. And I, I remember I had the stagnant, I had one year that didn't improve. And I'm just like, I've always improved every single year and what, what's going on. And, you know, those are the times where you just need to try something out of the box and yeah. Even my dad and he, his dream at that time was for pole vaulting of pure Filipino to jump, you know, five over five meters. And yeah, that dream took, took some toll and like, just knowing that, you know, 490, we have 10 centimeters left, but it's so difficult. Yeah. We just tried different things and then, you know, talk to different people and talk to different coaches around the region. Then, when I just jumped five meters, it suddenly opened this, this door. It's just like the European way of pole thing was suddenly injected to my, to my my daily routine for three months. And then suddenly, this guy, Vitaly Petro, says to me, Oh, you're jumping five meters now. In, in three months, you're going to jump 521 or 520. I remember he said 520. I'm just like, it took me a year to go from 495 to five meters. And you're telling me in three months, I'm going to jump. You're, you're, you're full of it. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to follow your training. You know, you're, you're the legendary coach, but I think you, you didn't understand the work I've put in to get to where I'm at. And then I felt just so dumb because in, in Asia, five meters, is a you're a decent pole vaulter, and then suddenly I'm in Europe and for a month and a half. All I've been doing is the first freaking step of the, the run-up first freaking step. First week, freaking... I haven't bolted for six weeks. And I'm just like, what is this going to do with my, with my voting? And then, you know, I just trusted it. I just trusted the process. And to be honest, I really didn't have a choice to, <laughs> you know, it's the the coach, the great Sergey Bubka. You don't, at the time I didn't speak anything. I just say, yes, yes, sir. Yes, coach. Yes, coach. Yes, I'll do it. And then the next thing you know, I go back to Philippines, have my first competition, jump the new national record, which which is five zero one, and set my name on on basically on the record sheet of Philippine athletics. And then the week after, I jump five zero five, and the week after, I jump five fifteen, and a week after, I jump five twenty, 520, then five twenty one. Eventually, I'm just like, well, I guess he's right. He knows what he's doing. And then I go back again next year and train the same. And well, I didn't not jump for, for six weeks. I continued training in just a different approach to the game. And, you know, what makes it a little bit more, um, digestible for me, the way Vitaly trains was I can see how hard these Olympians, these, this best in the world. How hard they train, I have no freaking excuse to slack off, and I can't waste my coach's time. He's putting time on this guy who's probably nobody in the world of Povo thing, and I'm gonna and I don't have a right to slack. So I just keep working hard, train as hard as I can. and then the next thing you know, I jump over eighteen feet, which is five fifty. The next thing I know I jump over five sixty one. Then I'm in a world where, yeah. People do know my name. When I go to competitions in Europe, people do see me now, you know, they're, they're not, they're not giving me this, look, who is this Asian dude joining us in the competition? they're like, oh yeah, this guy just jumped 60. We know him now, you know, you earned the respect of your fellow athletes, but then the year that I was actually knocking on those doors being quote unquote elite, I torn my ACL going back to the Philippines. And yeah, that's a whole different story. Then just got back on my knee and trained as hard as I can to bounce back. 2018 was a good year. Um, managed to be able to jump over 550. Then 2019 was just you know that was where where it just clicked. You know, as a pole vaulter, there's just that moment that you you work so hard and nothing is working, and then suddenly one day it just clicks. And that day was the Doha um, Asian Championship, where I jumped 571, a new championship record, a new personal best to my whole career, not after just my knee surgery. And then the next few months, I jumped 576. And then the next few months, I jumped 581, which just puts me into the map of pole thing and qualifies me for my, my, you know, first um, Olympic Games and just really is a one heck of a journey that I, I think I couldn't have written better. And I think after that, just things just kind of started rolling and you know, the learning curve was, was getting better. And I'm, I'm understanding my coach more, our relationship was better. Then I started jumping these heights, going into Olympics, uh, 581, 583. 585, 586, 587, and then 591 after Olympics, and then 593 to set a new Asian record and finally, you know, crown myself as the best Asian to have ever done the event. It is right now just, you know, glossing through it. Yeah, I've been through a lot of different things that I'm I'm proud of. And I think it was. It was definitely a, a journey to
0: remember yeah it seems that your tipping point was the five meters i think uh that was like your um your four minute mile i think after that yeah. you know, the, the, the things started to happen things started to click and um i think the major changes that you did with your program with your coach going to europe to train i think that was a whole entirely different mindset of course um the coach of the legendary, uh, Sergei Bubka, Uh, both, uh, I I, I mean, uh, for those who are not familiar, legendary, legendary Olympic world record holder, um, held the record numerous times, and to be able to train with the same coach as he did, you're right, I mean, there is no excuse for you not to work your ass off. I mean, just to have the privilege to have him as your coach. And I know that recently, there have been a lot of um, controversies in terms of, uh, you and our local Philippine Athletic Track and Field Association. That's not something that I wanted to discuss because that is water under the bridge. I'm just happy that um, you were able to uh, get past that because, quite frankly, that was one of the reasons why, personally, I ended my career in, in track and field back then because I felt that um, it was pretty hard to make a career out of track and field. I mean, I had just graduated from Ateneo. And that time, um, you know, I, I still tried to compete, uh, still tried to represent the country. But after a while, I did decide that the best, I guess, next step for me would be to be able to pursue my other passions, uh, which in this case uh, brought me to the world of media. Um, no regrets, because although I did want to represent the country, I ended up representing or I, I I ended up right now doing what I do, which is also in a way representing our country, but in a totally different arena. So. Um, I'd like I'd like to yes go ahead I'm sorry
1: Um, I'm I'm just curious Um, going back to that decision that you made was it worth it like for you did it make sense now or what I know you're you're the one supposed to be asking me but I'm really am curious here the moment you decided you wanted to stop and you wanted to focus on, on different passion was it something that now you can just go to bed and really not worry about like it doesn't get into your head anymore it's just like something that yeah it happened and i live with it and it is fine
0: you know ej i i understand deeply where you're coming from i know that after the olympics because of the whole debacle um you worked you were you did uh release a statement saying that maybe it was time for you to move on um what i can say with Um, At least that time when I was deciding, the the decision actually for me was quite easy. Why? Because that time, I remember my last tournament was the Singapore Open. So I was representing the country. I was maybe 23 years old. I was training for the, I wanted to train for the Southeast Asian Games. But during that Singapore Open, I I was competing in the 100 meter dash, which really was my first love. And uh, I remember the heat that I was in. I finished fifth in my heat. And for someone who's used to winning all the time, back home, um, having all of these records, I was not used to it. And that time I was already, um, I had my hand in doing a lot of media work. I was, I was writing, I was doing producing work for the news. I had already started my career in media while trying to hold on to, I guess, the I, I would like to say the glory days of track and field, because I, I really also wanted to give it another shot. You know, I felt I was young enough that if I did pursue this, I would be able to be perhaps one of, if not the best uh, sprinter in the Philippines. What ended up happening was that um, the guy who beat me eventually in, in the UAP in the hundred meters, Ralph Sugillion um, actually became the fastest uh, man in the Philippines. He broke the Philippine record. And, sometimes i would go back to that and think was it worth it for me to quit at that time i could have been the fastest um ever in the country but ej to be honest i have no regrets i felt that time that it was time for me to move on and that um whatever successes that i've had in the past i was very happy with i was content and i think that's what if i could share with you the the turning point for me that was the time when I felt deep inside that I was ready to move on. I knew that my other passion, which was in media, was calling. I knew that I could be good at it. And you know, to this day, I tell people sometimes that being a former athlete actually prepared me for the next chapter of my life, the next season of my life. And the, the successes and the failures that time really enabled me to be able to dig deep when the time when I had to be a struggling entrepreneur and had to all overcome all of these failures in my new career and eventually business, the things that I learned in the oval and on the track, I applied to the next chapter of my life, and and I have no regrets. So I think you know, uh, and and I actually wanted to reach out to you that time after the Olympics when you said that you were at a crossroads. And I'd just like to say to you, um, uh, EJ, that at no point in history have we ever ever had a track athlete as as good as you. I think um, you were put there for a reason. And the next couple of years are going to be important um, to the Philippines because of what you can potentially be. Um, I don't know how close you are to being number one, but I want you to know that this is the very first time that we've actually had a shot at a track and field athlete actually taking home a medal and, 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 you know, swimming and track it's, it's, it's always known to, to send, um, because you you can, you have to send token athletes to the Olympics and you're allowed to do that. But this is the first time that we've ever had a contender. And I think you winning a medal more. So if it's a gold medal in track and field, that will cement not just you, but I think the country. In the annals of history. I think it is very important why you're here and the Olympics is only a few years away. If I were in your shoes, I would exhaust all possible means. Um, I know you have it in you. So I, I hope that despite all the obstacles that you've had, and I know you can, you'll be able to get past all of this because you're a once in a generation talent and uh, a lot of people believe in you. So I hope that we see you, EJ, in the next Olympics and bring home, if possible, the gold. You'll never know.
1: I, think I I got Yeah. Yeah, I got your message. I think it's just a matter of if I'm content to my career, what, what I have achieved. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That, that, that word. Yeah, that, that's something.
0: Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Sorry, I didn't mean to to ask you out of the blue. It's actually it's actually um, a message that I've always wanted to to say to you. This is actually the first time uh, we've met in this call, <laughs> so I'm glad that I was able to share my thoughts with you because uh, it's been on my mind ever since uh, you competed in the Olympics, and something that I've always wanted to extend to you as as a form, not just of you know to motivate you, but also to to make you see the importance of what you're doing, not just to me as a fellow athlete, but to the Filipino people, I think um, it's quite phenomenal how you've been able to do all of these things, despite um, all of the the problems that you've had with our sports association. But, you know, I think you're stronger than that and, and you can conquer all these and and we believe in you. Thank you. Sorry to
1: interrupt you with uh, the interview. Uh, please. <laughs>
0: Methods to Greatness in partnership with Perfect Health Philippines will be giving away premium healthcare products to our loyal listeners and subscribers. There will be weekly winners of Perfect Relaxer Massage Guns worth 9,900 pesos. And at the end of 12 weeks, we will give one lucky subscriber a chance to take home a fully loaded, perfect health trinity massage chair worth two hundred thousand pesos all you have to do is subscribe to the methods to greatness podcast and follow us on our social media accounts on facebook and linkedin and share the post link in the show notes of this episode on your feed and if you know someone who you feel would benefit from our conversations and content on the show tag them for more chances to win our prizes we always want you our listeners to aspire to improve yourselves in every aspect of your lives so you can be the best you can possibly be. Check out the Methods to Greatest social media channels for more details. So EJ, um, I would like to ask all of my guests here on Methods to Greatness. So the first being, I'd like to know EJ, what makes you Filipino?
1: Just my approach to the training, you know, now that I've seen roughly, you know, how the center of track and field kind of works. Being a Filipino, is just different. We're just used to a little bit more, a little bit more of, I'm not going to say pain, but you know, we just can go a little bit further down that path, you know, that when you know you're running the 400, we can just go dig deep, a little bit deeper. And I think that's what makes me a Filipino. And that's something that I'm truly am proud of.
0: Yeah. Is there anything from the Philippines that you would like for people to know or discover? It could be anything, food, people, places. Right now, the, always our
1: topic in uh, like talking to these fellow pole vaulters are always the islands. I just said, you know, you should visit these islands. They are beautiful and the diversity and it's a paradise. It is totally is a paradise. Philippines is a beautiful place.
0: Yeah. EJ, who to you is a modern day superhero And if there is one person, what superpower would this person possess?
1: Right now, my superhero is my coach. As much as he is old, um, just the way he approached the game and, you know, winning everything that could have been won. And he's still here, willing to do the work and actually push ourselves even more than we push our own. It's just a totally different kind of mindset and I think. I guess that mindset makes him my modern day superhero.
0: EJ, if you could give a commencement speech back in Ateneo, you know, you get invited. Um, What message would you give to the students out there who know of you, who have heard of you, who admire you? What would be your message to them as they go into their own respective roles, not necessarily in the field of sports, but in life? What would be your message to them?
1: Do the best that you could do and put your heart out to the passions that you want to do and keep keep doing that because you never know who you're gonna inspire. You never know um, you know, you never realize this until you know your your journey's concluded. It is a different kind of feeling. And I think I'm gonna give the same, you know, the little things that you can change the world to make it better that's the best thing that you could do in this life. And that's the same speech I heard when I was in Atenea. you know, we're meant to change the world to be a better place. And yeah, I just hope that.
0: Ej, What keeps you up at night and conversely, what gets you up in the morning? What keeps me up at night is a lot of things, (laughs)
1: maybe (laughs) just, you know, not being able to put it, everything in the training or just overthinking why did I have a bad jump session and you know those kind of things and what gets me up in the morning is just another chance to do it all over again but a little bit better
0: yeah okay so ej um how do you prepare for what you do any special routines that you can share with us
1: um pretty boring you know i just it's become a cycle it's become a a day-to-day routine that i do i wake up i prepare my breakfast i go to the track i go back home if I need to do interviews, you know, this mundane schedule of mine is yeah, nothing, nothing crazy, special about it. And something special, right. That's with you ask something weird,
0: like, like, uh, training wise and anything that, um, maybe you would like to share with us.
1: I think the way I approach the game as well, it's just different now, you know, the way, what the injury taught me that, you know, in a snap of a finger, my career could be over. Therefore, today might be the last day that I'm doing this, so I'm going to give it my all. That is something that I always say, and it's written on my door, going out every single day. And yeah, that that just that is just me. That's maybe the the difference on the way I approach my 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 sport.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'd like to know what you do in your downtime and how you're able to. Regain focus. I can imagine there, there have been so many distractions, uh, the past couple of months or, or maybe perhaps year. um, anything that you, you do to be able to, 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 to just calm down and, and, and try to regain focus on, on, on what you need to do. I,
1: I like to run, um, when I want to calm down, I just go to the track, put either music or no music at all. Just keep running until to the point that you don't realize you're running but your mind is 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 the one really running you know it's it what i mean by running you're thinking about the things that's bothering you what's you know what are the thoughts in your head and you know your demons inside you kind of make peace with them during those times and that's how i recenter if i cannot run because i have another training session i try to sit down and just close every electronics device and just start drawing and just keep drawing and doing all of this. And then while doing it, I kind of get into that point again where I don't realize I'm drawing. My mind is literally so far away from me, but I'm dealing with my demons. And I think that's very crucial for, for my event. Povo thing, having doubts in the poles that I need to use, having doubts on the runway definitely doesn't help. So just being able to make peace with my my inner demons in those kind of way to just kind of recenter myself and be
0: calm. It's, it's very important. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I'd like to know EJ, what is the one thing you wish you could have known or learned sooner?
1: I still haven't learned it. Uh, I'm still learning it right now, just to be, you know, just to communicate a little bit better and, you know, just be, in a, you know, there's always different perspective and different approaches. And things and sometimes you know you kind of misinterpret other people in a way that is not ideal. Maybe I'm still learning it. I'm still trying to to be not as you know as straightforward as a as a poll, I suppose. Um yeah, that's that's one way I um things that I I wish I have learned earlier, you know, just to be able to understand. Um not just understanding the motivation of why people do what they do, it's just what perspective do they actually
0: have in their certain position than different than mine. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're young, you're 26. Um, It takes a lot of work. I mean, I've been, I've been in the past also, you'll get better at it for sure. Uh, And if at any point you need advice, I'm here, man, I'm here. Uh, I know what you're going through. And, you know, you can count on me to be able to give you advice on that. So I have two more questions and these are my last um, second. to The last question would be EJ, what would your epitaph say?
1: Actually, I Googled that word. <laughs> um, I think what I would want it to be there. Um, I guess if something goes like, you know, I live a life with no regrets. Like, that's why I asked you a while ago. I, that's what I want to be put in that stone. It's just, yeah. This is a guy who lived his life with no regrets, which means, you know, I did whatever I could do. At the end of the
0: day, whatever the result may be, I'm fine with it. Okay, and finally, EJ, if there's anything that you do that you would like for me to try or for anyone to try for that matter, uh, anything that you do, whether in track, whether mentally, or whether it's a training or something that you have been doing that's been successful for you, um, that you would recommend that that I try, what would that be?
1: Maybe you've tried it, pole vaulting. <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, what what makes me a better pole voter is actually playing tennis mentally. You know, the, this the stress of it. It's tennis, but. I don't know it depends on the different kind of you know different certain but I would love to see you vote again, and I would love to meet you and actually i'm I'm not kidding because as I said, you know, I know your name before I even met you, and before you even reach out to me before I'm even thinking about poll voting, I knew you because you had the record in youable a p in high school and a kid of like a kid that went through me as, you know, uh, guided him. I, mean, I, I wouldn't say I coached him formally, but I guided him. We aim for that. And I remember this kid first year, high school, take a pole, lost, just. Crying his heart out. And he was just like, yeah, I'm so sad. I lost in the podium, but then he's a freshman. And then his sophomore year, he went and, you know, started jumping. And then his third year, he started to compete in Palarong Pambansa and unfortunately, really just a dumb incident. He was playing in the sand and literally just step on his hand with his spikes, eight stitches, had eight stitches in his hand a week before Palarong Pambansa and managed to pull it off and win. That's why I love this kid. And his name is Mark Operario, which you, you know, eventually, finally, Broke your record in double AP in high school, so yeah, I'm proud of that kid. Until now, I haven't talked to him, but I'm proud of that kid. I love his, I love his, his approach to the game.
0: You know, um, the hair on my arms are standing. I cannot believe that the 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 kid who broke my record, um, you actually trained the guy, and um, I did hear about that uh, a couple of years ago. I think that record stood for close to thirty years, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. It's been yeah. long, <laughs> something like that, and 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 I do remember the time when I was informed that someone actually broke my record. I was like, okay, it was bound to happen, but uh, my only regret is that I wasn't the one who was able to put the medal on on, uh, on on his on on his. And I wanted to do that so badly. Uh, whoever broke my record, I wanted to be the one to to just um you know wrap that medal yeah, around. Metal. Yes, yeah, but I,
1: um, I would. That would have been a, a fairy tale ending. I think that he would definitely appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Uh, that you, know, you know what, EJ, next time you're, you're in the Philippines, I think um, you, him, and me should meet. Uh, definitely. I'm not sure, it's gonna be, not sure if we're going to have a pole vault session there, but, um, you know, for sure, maybe, uh, you know, maybe a drink or two. I think uh, there's so much to discuss. Uh, I have to definitely. be honest, EJ, this is, this is the most I've talked in an interview, just because um, we share so much in common, and you know, I, I it also brings me back to my pole vaulting days and my a- a- athletic uh, career. And you know, I, I have to say, EJ, this has been um, one of the best interviews I've I've ever done, because not only because I am uh, talking to a world beater, but because I'm talking to someone who has done so much, not just for our country, not just for our sport. But also as a human being, I think the challenges that you've faced in your career, in your life, uh, a movie can be made out of it. And I'm just glad that um, uh, I was able to engage with you through this conversation and eventually um, on the book, Methods to Greatness, because I think what you've done, um, a lot of people can learn from. You are truly great, EJ. And we thank thank you. you for the inspiration that you've given to the Filipino people and also to a lot of possibly more future pole vaulters to come who have been inspired by you and and want to um, walk uh, in your footsteps. And I think um, this has been, you know, maybe the first of a number of conversations that we'll have down the road. As I said, um, EJ, um, you you can can count on me. I think uh, uh, I, I can totally relate with a lot of the things that you've gone through and I'll be there for you. If it means going to the Olympics with you on the side, um, you know, or or training with you on the side, I'll I'll be more than happy to do that because um, what you're doing is something special and um, uh, you really truly are a gift to the Filipino people. So EJ, um, any last words or maybe you can invite um, the listeners and eventually the readers of Methods to Greatness where they can catch you or how they can support you?
1: I'll have a a long season ahead. I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but I'll be competing until September. And yeah, you can catch me in those European circuit, Diamond League and hopefully winning some of that too. And I'll be in Eugene for the World Championship. Hopefully finally be able to snatch a medal out of of those Europeans (laughs) and Americans. Um, Yeah, and to be honest, just Thank you for everyone who's been part of this journey really. Um, you know the support that I've received from the Filipino people is indescribable and not no kidding. this is this is also one of the best interviews I've ever done and I think I've learned more than, than I've give today and I'm, I'm I'm a better person after this
0: definitely. That means a lot to me. Ej Obianna, thank you very much. Uh, you are a national treasure. Thank you so much.
1: I would have wow, just really that 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 word content. This that definitely struck me. It struck me, yeah. Thank you. I'm holding my tears way too much in this interview. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, it was just yeah one one heck of a interview. I mean, I can say you're, you're definitely good at what you do and can't wait to meet you, man. I really can't wait.
0: Same here, man. Um, dude, uh, you have me. Uh, uh, if you need anything. Thank you. Thank just, you so much. It's a journey, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Uh, we'll support you. Just, just let you. us know. Um, and and um, same here. One of the best interviews I've done. And uh, uh, next time, uh, we'll keep in touch. And next time uh, you are in the Philippines, definitely we should meet up. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I'll bring about. the kid. Sorry. Oh, yes, please. I'll please. bring I'm, the kid, yes. <laughs> I want to meet him, man. All right. Thank you so much for guesting here on Methods to Greatness. Thank you. Methods to Greatness is also brought to you by Perfect Health Philippines, a leading provider of innovative first-class massage and healthcare products across Southeast Asia. If you would like me to interview anyone on the face of the earth and want them on the podcast, or if you want to collaborate with us for future content or sponsorship opportunities, or if you just have any recommendations on how we can get better, just send us an email at john at methodstogreatness.com. That's john at methodstogreatness.com. Until then, we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network.